Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, my money-saving comrades. My name's Graham Clark, and I'm excited to be with you again this week on the Money Stepper Savings Challenge podcast. This is a podcast made by the Money Stepper Savings Community for the Money Stepper Savings Community. It's designed to help us all achieve the goals that we've set for the 2015 Savings Challenge and make that journey to financial freedom much more friendly and enjoyable. Are you ready? Let's get going. A firm's income statement is like a bikini. What it reveals is interesting, but what it conceals is vital. It's our quote of the week this week. Welcome to the Money Stepper podcast. Um, that quote is by Burton G. Malkiel, who's the author of A Random Walk Down Wall Street. It's a great book if you haven't read it. It discusses how essentially a monkey throwing pins at the broadsheet of all the stocks in the S&P 500 can obtain a performance which actually is better than uh, the professionals, the fund managers in the, in the business after they take into account fees. It's yet another reason why we suggest passive investing at Money Stepper rather than active investing. But today's quote is around the income statement and around accounting. And it's a great quote. It's true. As true as it is for business, it's equally true for individuals. Take someone, for instance, they are earning as a household £300,000 a year. Big, big earner. Maybe they're a high-flying city lawyer or banker and everyone looks at their lifestyle and they think they're doing well. They've got huge revenue. You see them, they're driving flash cars. They're going on fancy holidays several times a year. They seem like they've got it made, but that's actually hiding the fact that behind it, maybe they have expenses which are as high or even exceeding their income and their actual net worth position, their balance sheet, is really not in a good way. And their income statement, what it looks like on the face of it from their revenue and what their life is representing seems great, but it's actually hiding, it's actually concealing the thing that is vital. A great quote there. And it brings us into what we're going to talk about in today's episode. Now, accounting for personal finance. It's not the most exciting title for a podcast, I know, but it's probably the most vital aspect to achieving long-term wealth, in my opinion. Together with motivation, together with the understanding of what you're trying to achieve, accounting is the day-to-day tool that will help you get there. You have to understand what your money is doing. You have to understand how your net worth is growing and why it's growing. 
uh, fundamentally and technically in order to be able to grow that further. So it's really important. So if you think about the stereotype of accountancy being boring, forget it. It's not boring. It's essential. I talk about it a lot in my book, which is available on the website and available on Amazon, How to Build Wealth One Step at a Time. The first step of five steps is understanding accounting. That's how important I think it is. So if you are a beginner to accounting or you're not really sure about it, you think you get it, but there's some some parts that you're not 100% sure on, I'd recommend that you that you buy that book and you have a you have a good read of that first chapter and you thoroughly understand it. My personal opinion of it being that important comes from two aspects. One, I understand the technical side of it, being a chartered accountant myself. And I've seen in businesses, you wouldn't expect a business to be run without understanding their finances. And you wouldn't expect a business to succeed without them mastering those finances. And to master those finances, they need accounting. Equally, you wouldn't expect your personal finances to exceed without mastering the same thing. The second was a personal experience. I found that exactly myself. Having been a chartered accountant, I went into these other businesses and I I looked at that kind of thing. But when it came to myself, I, I lacked that oversight. I didn't really record my personal finances at an early stage of my career. And I found myself stagnating somewhat financially. In the beginning, I was working hard. I was earning a good salary. But my net worth, and as I viewed it at the time, the amount of money I had in my bank, didn't really seem to be going up. And it wasn't until I started treating myself like a business that that improvement started to happen regularly and consistently every year. So this is what I'm going to encourage you to do today. To understand, to learn accounting, and to treat yourself like a business. Now... Anyone who's already in the Money Stepper Savings Challenge will be doing this because the Money Stepper Savings Challenge spreadsheet, which is free to download with the challenge, is actually designed to be your financial statements, your own personal accounts. Okay, and I'll explain all that later, how business accounts work and how the Money Stepper Savings Challenge spreadsheet is very similar to that. We can go down it section by section, in fact. You can say... In the Money Stepper Savings Challenge, there's two main tabs okay, in the spreadsheet. One is called Net Worth. Now, your net worth is effectively your own personal balance sheet. Okay, It has on all your assets, all your liabilities, and finally your net worth. And the idea is your assets less your liabilities equal your net worth, your capital. Equally, there's another tab for Savings Rate, which is your Profit and Loss Account. Okay, And in there you have your income at the top, at the bottom you have your expenses, and usually that would be income minus expenses equals your profit. We have that, but then you also assign that profit in the Money Stepper Savings Challenge to specific savings and investments to try and encourage you to to map out where you're going to put that money. However, your savings, which is your profit, your income less expenses, divided by your income is your what a business would call your profit margin that's your savings rate from a personal perspective so you can see clearly how these two things align so let's get into the detail let's have a look at what all these things mean these assets these liabilities uh, we'll look at debits and credits and double entry and um, we'll have a look through plenty of examples to get a head around this nicely because it seems from a couple of questions i've already had people are struggling on this topic somewhat <laughs> So, let's start with our balance sheet, our net worth. In that, the first section we have is assets, okay? 
So assets, quite simply, and it might be an oversimplification, but assets are things that you own or things that are owed to you by somebody else. Okay. So when you think about things that you own, you can think about things that you can physically see and that you can touch and think that they will still be there tomorrow. So what are good examples of that? Well, cash, money, okay? If you've got £10 in your hand, you're going to have that £10 tomorrow, as long as you don't spend it, and it's something that you own, the £10. Equally, your house, it's a building, okay? It's got value, you own that, so that is an asset for you. Equally, your car and any belongings you have that have resale value, so they have some value to them. Then you can add in your pensions, for instance, they're an asset. Uh, investments, they're an asset because they are things you own. Okay, You own part of the company where you have shares in that company. And so all those added together will give you your assets. They're all positive things. Okay, The opposite of that, the negative kind of side, is your liabilities. So a liability, very quickly defined, is things that you owe to other people or other companies. Okay, so usually that takes the form in personal finance of loans. That could be mortgages, it could be personal loans, it could be financing on a car or on another purchase like a sofa or whatever else people take finance out on. Um, It could be a credit card or simply it could be money that you owe to somebody else. And then if you take all of your assets and you take away all of your liabilities, so all the cash, all the investments you have in the world are your assets, less everything you owe to other people, that will give you your net position, and that's called your net worth, and that is what in business we call either equity or capital. But the idea is that is what the owner has, okay? That's what they're worth. So that's your balance sheet covered, your net worth tab in the Money Stepper Savings Challenge spreadsheet. Moving on to the P&L, the profit and loss. It's a funny named uh, item because, in fact, you can't have a profit and a loss in one year. So it should maybe be called the profit or loss. Um, but it's your savings rate. We can build into that from the Money Stepper Savings Challenge. Your profit and loss is quite simply all of your revenue, less all your expenses in business. And for us, personally, our revenue is kind of our income. Often it's a salary, but it's the amount of money that you earn in a certain period. As I say, most commonly it's a salary, um, but you can add into that uh, any investment interest, any interest on your savings in your bank, any money you get from odd jobs, um, anything where you earn money in a period. The opposite side of that, again, the bad side is your expenses, and that's the amount of money that you spend in any one period. Okay, and that could include your grocery shopping, it could include eating out, electricity, gas, it's all your expenditure in a month expenses. Okay, so that's a nice brief discussion of your net worth and your savings rate, your balance sheet and your PL. So next we have to understand how that works. How do we make how do we change items in our in our balance sheet and our PL? Well, that comes from something that's called double entry. And it's called double entry because there's always at least two sides to every transaction that takes place. Whatever happens, there's always a debit and a credit. And there could be more than one debit and more than one credit. But the key is that the total of your debits must equal the total of your credits. Now, how you apply debits and credits to the different categories is a little bit more complex. And at the beginning, you'll get used to this, but at the beginning, I would just write these down. Okay, so... To increase your assets, you would debit your assets. 
but a debit to your liabilities actually reduces your liabilities. Equally, a debit to your capital reduces your capital. On the P&L side, a debit to your revenue decreases your revenue and a debit to your expenses increases your expenses. So effectively, you could say that a debit on the balance sheet is kind of a good thing, but a debit on the P&L or in your capital is a bad thing. Equally, the opposite is true for credits. So credits reduce assets, increase liabilities, increase capital, and they increase revenue and decrease expenses. That's a pretty brief overview. What I would recommend doing is if you head on over to the show notes, which is moneystepper.com forward slash personal accounting. On there, I'll add these things and maybe a little downloadable picture of some kind. So you can add that somewhere next to your Money Stepper Savings Challenge spreadsheet and you know how to make these postings in the future. So I think the best way to try and get a head around this and become kind of usual and standard for us is to look at some common examples. Let's start with a really simple example, okay? You get paid your salary. That's quite straightforward. And the way we're going to have a look at all these is we're going to run down assets, liabilities, capital, revenue, expenses, and we're going to say which of those does it impact, okay? So what happens when you get paid? Do you have any change to your assets? Well, yes, you do, because when you get paid, usually you get paid in cash, okay, and that money will go into your bank. So we would actually be increasing our amount of cash, we'll be increasing an asset, and to increase an asset, we debit. So say we got paid £1,000 in a month, we would debit our cash on our balance sheet, on our net worth tab, £1,000. Does that change our liabilities? Do we owe any money to anyone because we got paid? No, not directly. Then from the P&L side, what happens? Well, we earn money in the period, definition of revenue. So this salary is revenue. We want to increase that. So to increase revenue, we have to post a credit. There we go, credit revenue 1,000. And there we are. We've got our double entry. Credit revenue 1,000, debit cash 1,000. So what happens there? Well, on our savings rate, we'll have an income of 1,000. Also, for the savings rate tab, we'll be able to allocate that to our cash, or if we then later down the line buy investments or something with that, we can allocate that specifically. And on our balance sheet side, we have an increase in our cash. Now, actually, that also increases our net worth, because when our assets go up and our liabilities stay the same, then our equity has to go up, because our equity, our net worth, is equal to our assets less our liabilities. And that is actually linked to the fact that our revenue went up. So anything that happens in your P&L in one period actually then goes through to your net worth. So that's how that works. So have a look at another very simple example. You buy something that has no value in the long run. Okay, For instance, you go out for your dinner tonight and you spend £20 on your dinner. Okay, Do our assets change? Do what we have in our lives, what we own, or something that people owe to us change? Yes. What changes? Well, unfortunately, at the end of the meal, we have to hand over that £20 in cash to the restaurant. Okay. So we need to reduce our cash, and to reduce an asset, we need to post a credit. Credit cash, £20. What about on the P&L side? Is it revenue? No. Is it expenses? 
yes. Okay, that's something that we spent money on in the month. So debit our expenses 20 because we're increasing our expenses and to increase expenses, you need to post a debit. Okay, what's the impact of that? Well, our assets reduced, our liabilities stayed the same and so our equity also reduced. Shame. So that's why we don't want to spend too much money going out because our equity, our net worth reduces when we do. What about if we buy something with value? Slightly different, isn't it? Let's say we buy... This is quite hard to think of something actually that you can buy that doesn't immediately lose its value. But let's say, okay, let's say an investment. Let's say we buy shares in Apple, say. We buy £10 worth of shares. Well, do we have a change in our assets? Yes, we do. We actually have multiple changes in our assets. Because when we buy those shares, we get a new asset. We get an investment. We own something. We own shares in this company. So we increase our asset by £10. So to increase our asset, we need to post a debit. Debit assets £10 in investments. But at the same time, to do that, we've actually paid some cash. So, again, to reduce our cash is reducing of an asset, and we need to credit cash £10. So, simply in our spreadsheet, all that you see is your cash gets moved from your bank into your investments. But when thinking about that from a double-entry perspective, you need to credit your cash and debit your assets. Why doesn't that change anything in the P&L? Isn't it money you've spent? Well, not really, because you're not losing any value for that. You have to think about the P&L as being an increase or a decrease in the value of something. Okay, When, when you get paid, you, you are getting paid more money. But when you're spending money on a meal out, you'll never see that again. It's not there tomorrow. But when you buy these investments, they're still there tomorrow. They're not gone. You don't lose that in that period. And that's why it's not an expense. The best way I found to look at this is to start with the movement around the balance sheet. And if you can't find anywhere to go on the balance sheet, then it's probably an expense. Let's take an example, common example, and an example that a lot of people who aren't familiar with personal finance don't understand straight away, and it's buying a car. So you hear all these things about when you buy a new car, as soon as you drive it off the forecourt, it loses value. And people say, oh, well, it doesn't doesn't matter for my net worth because I've got the car. But when you look at the accounting, it you can really understand why it is a problem. So let's say we buy a new car and it's a £10,000 car and just for the sake of this calculation we lose 30% of its value when we drive it off the forecourt. So what happens from a debits and credits perspective? Well, the easiest thing to note first is that we've got to pay the cash. Okay, So we decrease our cash by 10000 because we paid that over to the car company and decrease in our assets is a credit, credit cash, £10,000. But then what happens? Well, we think we've got an asset still, okay? Not all this money's gone to waste. But how much is our asset worth? Well, it's only worth what we can sell it for today, okay? So as soon as we drive it off that forecourt, we actually only have an asset that's worth 7000 because we say it loses 30% of its value straight away. So in our double entry, we need to debit asset, our car, for £7,000, but then we have a difference of £3,000. And it's not something we own, that £3,000. It's not something that we owe to anyone necessarily. It's just kind of £3,000 that's disappeared into thin air. And when something disappears, when it happens in a month, it means you've actually lost that money in the month. So 
it hits the P&L. It's an expense. So when you think that, okay, I'm buying a car, that's okay, I'm buying a new car. When you put your double entries in and you realise that your £3,000 is just vanishing, it's just gone, it's reduced your net worth by £3,000 when you bought your car, you might think twice about buying a new car next time. Okay, one more example. Let's think about um, what happens when something increases in value or decreases in value. Say we've got an investment portfolio and we've got £10,000 invested in our portfolio. And this month, our investments increased by 5%. Okay, the value of those has gone up by 5%. £500. So what? what's our double entry here? Well, first of all, we've got an asset, which is our investment, which was worth £10,000. Now it's worth £10,500. So to make that increase by 500 we have to debit our asset by 500 now, where's the credit? Well, it's not in um, it's not in our liabilities. We don't owe it to anyone. It's certainly not in our expenses. We didn't spend anything. And actually, it's not really in our income. This is a, a very minor point. It doesn't really matter too much if you include it in your income. Um, but it's not something that we earn in that month. It's just an increase in the value of the, of the thing. It's, it's not something we realised specifically in the month. It's some, just an increase in the valuation. And so what we do is we actually book it straight to that item. So we, we increase our asset by 500 and our credit, that hits our capital. And the impact of that really is just that we have an increased equity and our net worth increases. So our investments have gone up by 500, great, and we now are worth £500 more. The point between the two is, is quite a minor point, but effectively everything that happens in your P&L you can think at the end of when it happens, whether that be the month or usually in business the year, that then moves into your balance sheet as equity. And you can account for it on a real-time basis. You can have an account in your equity, which is profit for the year, and that will always equal what happened in your profit and loss account. So when you're thinking about that, try and think about the two together. Um, if you're posting in your P&L, credit or a debit, that will actually have the same impact in your equity. But you don't necessarily need to post into the P&L. You could post straight into that equity line if it's not actually something you've earned or something you have spent in that month. Okay, let's take a breather. That's a few examples there, but hopefully they're the most common examples. And if you can master those most common things, then you're off to a good start. However, like all good things, it gets a bit more complex. And I'm going to approach the complex matters through examples. Accounting can be complex. It can be complex for businesses. Um, That's why you have professional firms who offer accounting services. That's why everyone doesn't do their accounting themselves. But from a personal finance perspective, you can kind of solve these if you think hard enough about them. If you want any help with them, I've already helped a couple of people. Just send me an email with your question and I'll answer it straight away. And we can have that discussion directly. And I might actually, for each one that people ask, I might give the example on the podcast so everyone can learn from that. And there's two questions I've already had related to this um, over the last couple of weeks. And I've asked both of them, uh, Tom and Greg, if I can share them on the podcast and they're happy for me to do so. So the first one comes from Tom, who's a member of my group. Uh, my own personal group, which we've now renamed. We've taken the lead of uh, Mrs. Maroon and Group Freedom. And Group I will be known 
from this point onwards as a group independence, because that's what we're aiming towards, financial independence. So group independence, Tom, he said, I've got a big bill coming up. It's going to happen in December. I'm going to pay it in December, but I actually use the service all year. I put money aside for this every month. How should I account for it? And how should I show it in the Money Stepper Savings Challenge? Now, this is fairly complex, and it comes to the idea of prepayments and accruals. Um, I'm not going to go into detail. If you want to look up, you can look those up. In an already fairly boring subject matter for the podcast, that would take things to a whole new level. But basically, we can answer it without thinking about that and just thinking about the double entries. Okay. And it's two parts, this question. The first is that he has a big bill that he's going to pay in December, but he uses the service all year. And the second part is that he puts money aside for every month. So let's look at the first part and what happens. Well, every month that he has that expense, that he uses an item, that he uses the service, he actually has to record that expense in his P&L. So let's imagine that the big bill that's going to come in December is £120 and it's £10 every month. Because if he stopped the service at the end of January, he would still have to pay the £10. Or at the end of February, he'd have to pay the £20 up to that point. So what we do every single month is we note an expense, okay, an increased expense. We debit our expense for £10. But we don't actually pay any money, so this time we can't credit our cash. But we do owe that money to someone. And when we owe money to someone, it's a liability, Okay, so we debit our expense £10 and we credit our liability £10. We do that every month for the 12 months. And at the end of the year, we have a total expense built up of £120 and a total liability built up of £120. In December, we receive the bill and we pay it. When we pay it, we spend some cash, reduction in asset, credit cash 120 and we no longer owe the money. It's a reduction in the liability, so we debit our liability for 120. So, after all that's taken place at the end of the year, we have debit expense 120, credit cash 120. So what's different between that and then just accounting for it in December when it, the bill arrives? At the end of the year, there is no difference. In both scenarios, we would have debited our expense for 120 and we would have credited our cash for 120. The point of building up a liability throughout the year and expensing £10 each month is that actually reflects the reality of it because your net worth is falling by £10 every month because it's money you owe to someone. You're going to have to pay that money when that bill arrives in December. At the end of April, say, it's only £40 worth. It's four times the £10 expense and that's your liability. Um, So it's good at the end of each month to accurately record exactly what our expenses are and then if we have liabilities that are relevant to that we have to build those in as well okay hope that makes sense the second part of it is that he puts money aside for it every month that's key right and it's the point that confuses a lot of people in this kind of scenario and actually has confused me in the past this is a different transaction you putting money aside every month for a future liability is actually very different from the liability itself And all you're doing is, if you think about it, is you're just moving money. Because when you put money aside to that savings, you create a new account, a new asset, say, called savings. And you put £10 into that every month. Well, where's that £10 coming from? It's coming from your normal bank account, your cash. 
So all you're doing is you're crediting an asset cash and you're debiting an asset your savings. And you do that every month. So by the end of the 12 months, you have £120 that's come out of your cash and £120 that's gone into your savings. Then actually what happens when you pay your money at the end of the year, we said previously that we would debit our liability 120 and credit our cash 120. Well, actually, if that money was put aside already, you would debit your liability 120 and you'd credit those savings that you built up for 120. So actually still the net position would be debit expense 120, credit cash 120. I'll write this down. This will be in the show notes. As I say, moneystepper.com forward slash personal accounting. And I'm going to write each of these with the debits and credits and you can see it's much easier to visualise it when you can see it on the screen and understand it that way. The second one is something we've spoken about before um, on an article and on the summary of the results we did for January. And that is a position that Greg had. And Greg loaned money in January to a family member. And he didn't really know how to account for it. He said that his net worth had fallen because he'd lent money to a family member and his savings rate has been lower because of it. Well, it actually isn't the case because when we think about what we do for our double entries, okay, we've given that cash to our family member, we've credited our cash. But if we expect that family member to pay us back, that is actually money that's owed to us and so we increase our asset. So we credit our cash, decrease in asset, debit our money owed from a family member, which is an asset, so our net position on our assets is zero, our net position on our liabilities is zero, so our net position on our equity, assets minus liabilities, is also zero. There's no impact. When that family member pays you back, you basically reverse that transaction. You debit your cash because you've received the cash, and you credit the asset that was there because that person no longer owes you the money. Cool. Again, let's think about going back to the car. What about if we lent that money to the person but we didn't expect to get it all back? Well, we would give them the cash, let's say £100, and if we only expected to get 80 back, we would debit our asset 80 credit our cash 100 and we see we have a 20 difference there, and that has vanished into thin air. It's spent, it's gone. So it's debit expense 20. Cool. Some good examples. As I say, please head over to the show notes if you didn't follow any of them. I can't stress how important this is. Accounting has got such a stigma for being boring, but I don't know. It's not that. I don't find it that boring. And and things that you can, when you can see and you can, on a day-to-day basis, you can understand their importance in you reaching your eventual goals, financial and just general life goals. Hopefully you'll get over that um, stigma that it's boring and you'll be able to try and master these techniques yourself if you haven't already. Right, I think that's about enough today on some examples and accounting. There's only so much uh, accounting you can take for one episode. So we'll move on to our next section. Right, typically, I say typically, we're only nine, ten episodes in, but we've looked at a good article, an article which I liked in the week, and a bad article, uh, one that didn't give great advice. I have a feeling that might become a little bit repetitive, and you all read the articles yourself, so you find your own good stuff, and inevitably you'll find your own bad stuff. You probably don't need me to highlight that. What instead I'm going to talk about is an inspirational uh, news story that I've read in the week, because... 
most news is bad news. You know, you switch on the news and you see all the uh, reports on what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening with Greece at the minute, what's happening with Nigeria, what's uh, just anywhere around the world where atrocities are occurring. You see that every day when you turn on the news. What I'd like to do is just share something with you that hopefully will make you feel a little bit better and equally something which I found inspirational and kind of pushed me on to achieve my goals. This story this week is about a lady called Barbara Mataliano. She, over the course of 20 years, she's gone from being a nanny to the co-founder of the world's largest wild rice company. Okay, and a story which has been reported across a couple of sources, it's on the Huffington Post and Boston Globe, etc., was that back in 1996, a 24-year-old Barbara became a nanny for um, a gentleman called George Denny and his three children. Now, George was a rice farmer in California. But Barbara saw an opportunity there when she started, and she put her entrepreneurial mind to good use, and she kind of helped uh, George commercialise his small farm. Okay, She saw there was a niche in the market for this wild rice. She thought it could be well marketed as being you know, a healthy alternative to white rice and to the stodgy, stodgy processed rice that you get. And she worked with George in building that up. And Boston Globe article is great. I'll link to it in the article. It, it specifies how kind of she was very persistent in her ideas towards achieving her goals. And she worked with uh, local markets and certain supermarkets and shops across America to try and get the product in the stores. Um, in the end, George and Barbara co-founded Goose Valley Natural Foods in 2009, and it's Goose Valley which is now the largest producer of wild rice in the US, of sales of over $60 million a year. So, she, you know, she started, she found herself in a position by chance where she was a nanny for these children, and she saw an opportunity and she pushed for it. And it's that kind of persistence and dedication to achieving your goals, which I found really inspirational about this article. She seems like a really interesting woman um, and a great business person. She's really taken that small, small operation in California by the scruff of the neck and nationalised it. Brilliant story. Well done, her. Cool. So... Again, that's enough for this week. Well done for anyone who uh, who stayed awake through the tough parts of the accounting, through this lesson, through this lecture. Um, as I say, I'm going to add all these examples onto the website, put the debits and credits so it's a little bit easier to understand. And As I say, if you can visualise that, when you can see it, it becomes a lot easier to follow. So I'd encourage you all listening to this to head over to there. Weekly normal plea. I think the podcast has fallen slightly in the last week in the iTunes charts. Uh, so we really need that push up. And to get that, the ways I can do it is through subscriptions, which will come if people like the podcast, and it's for reviews. So if you are benefiting from the Money Stepper Savings Challenge, or equally just from the podcast, if you're using any of the tools that we provide for free, and if you want to help out with what we're doing and build this community here, then then I, I urge you, I plead you to go over to the iTunes Uh, interface however laborious it may be uh, go to the rating section and rate and review the podcast so thank you in advance for anyone who does and as ever keep on climbing Yeah.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.